Hello, fellow safety and health professional, and welcome to another podcast in a series of podcasts based on an article in Safety and Health magazine that's all about you. I just got home from a dentist appointment. Bonding on my front top tooth fell off two days ago, and I desperately needed to to be replaced because I'm giving an in-person talk next week, and the tooth looked nasty. I mean, the other one on the front top looked nice, right? It was bonded nicely. Yeah, this one looked nasty. So my dentist fitted me in as an earlier-than-using patient today. Usually I, you know, give 9, 10. This was 7 o'clock I got in there. He's a fantastic dentist. One reason is that I trust him. Now, several years ago, I had a dentist who I didn't trust. I won't get into that why, but, but that's also why I switched to the one I visited today. Trust is perhaps the most vital element that keeps our social interactions viable. And the more you trust a person or organization, the more likely you will rely on their services and want, if it's a person, their companionship. So here are two serious questions you should ask yourself. Am I trustworthy? And two, do the people I interact with at work and off the job trust me? Now the first question only you can answer. It means you are worthy of trust. But if you think you are, why? Why are you trustworthy? Well, here are three key elements to being trustworthy. Number one, The motives behind your actions are not deceptive. What you portray is genuine. Two, you almost always follow through on your commitments. On occasion, circumstances out of your control, you know, you get really sick or, you know, tragedy in your life or something, make it impossible to complete a commitment. And number three, you listen actively to understand the meaning behind what another person is saying and respond in a way that makes them realize you value their stories and ideas. As a safety and health professional, people trust that you know what you're doing. Part of that comes from your training and experience. My dentist has these certificates on his office walls, uh, shows where he went to college and medical school, and that he spent years learning his craft, and I like that. I want to know that the guy knows what he's doing. But we often don't have that privilege you know, the folks on the workplace, you know, go out to a work crew, they don't really care that we have a CSP or a degree in safety. They just want to know that they can trust us to give them the right advice and that we are there to help them. So let me give you three practical examples that portray the three trustworthy elements I listed, talked about earlier. Number one, your motives. For example, if you discover a safety violation and report it because you feel it will improve your reputation, or impress your boss that you found out something a bit. Uh, that may do that. But if the folks in the field get a hint that your motive was to improve yourself and your career, they'll quickly figure that out and it will reduce your trustworthiness. I've often, in the past, when I was a full-time safety supervisor, gone to the foreman or even the workers to correct a violation and purposely didn't write up a report. Because I wanted the crew to know that I was there to help them, not just get accolades for my reporting. Uh, but of course, sometimes you can't do that, especially I worked in the nuclear industry, and my goodness, there was so much, you know, you got to report this within 72 hours, you got to do this and that. So there's times where you got to report a violation for whatever reason, uh, 
in your heart you don't want to, but you still got to. I get that. But do it for that reason, not because you want to, you know, boast and, uh, you know, make it so your boss thinks you do a good job. Number two, follow through. I used to carry these index cards, three by five, with me all the time. I was out in the field doing inspections and such. And if somebody came to me and showed me, you know, hey, look, Hawk, I think we should fix this. Look at this, you know, problem. Or just to complain to me and they wanted me to do something or give suggestions, you know, something to give good suggestions. I'd write it down in an index card. I'd make sure they'd see me write it down. And then when I got back to my office that day, I would write up what I found in the field. Q&A then was the, it was a DOS-based program. It's not around anymore. And then I'd print it out. And the next time I went out in the field, I'd carry this report with me, with the index cards, I, you know, blank ones. And I'd show people, you know, the mechanics and the you know, operators or whoever, uh, that gave me a suggestion or showed me about a problem. And I'd show them where it was in my report. I can't tell you how much that improved my trustworthiness and just my general reputation, my credibility. Now, it also was funny because some of the suggestions were absurd. Some would never get done. Some couldn't get done for different reasons. I'd keep them on there and I'd show these. I'd say, hey, Tom, look, look at this. You're number 65 on my report. I have it under my NLTH category, which is not likely to happen. And, you know, even though they would laugh and it was funny and they would think, you know, Oh, really? My suggestion isn't going to get done. They knew I was doing the best I could and my trustworthiness and credibility were intact. And third, listen actively. My dentist is a fabulous listener. He listens to me. I could tell. I could just see it on his face. When I talk to him about anything, he's purposely listening to me. And he also responds in a way that doesn't make it sound like he's being condescending. Because what do I know about dentistry, right? He, that's his life. If I question why he suggests something, I know he will give me a straightforward answer and do it not just to try to sell me an expensive procedure. Though at times he does sell me expensive procedures, but that's not why he tells me I should do something. On the other hand, he's also willing to answer my questions that I have, even though how much stupid they may seem to him more basic, right? And as safety and health professionals, we should also be delighted when someone asks us to explain why we require a specific safety precaution or other inquiries, because our honest response with those other things that I had mentioned earlier will signal our trustworthiness.